and welcome to the Spark Ninja podcast. Today we're going to talk about the DPC for the second amendment of Beer 7671. The public comment is only open for one more week. We're going to play a highlight of an E5 podcast where we discuss with PE Magazine selection of SPDs and a Q&A there. We're then going to talk about training where we're going to look at the new methods of assessments that have been created during this COVID period and are these new methods going to stay? And to finish off, we're going to talk a little bit about CPD options as we look at the Schneider Partner Portal program. Right, so the first thing to discuss today is the DPC for the second amendment of beer 7671. We still have one week left, that's next Friday, the 11th of December, to get our comments in if we want to make any. If you've not had the opportunity to actually look at this yet, you can access it on the BSI site. There's videos on YouTube, uh, we've put some up, E5 guys have put some up, there's some on the podcast, uh, everyone's talking about this. So do take the opportunity to get a look, and if you think you need to make some comments, then do so. I'm going to try to make some um, live streams and some talks about this to help people and recommend doing some comments where they want to make them. Some of the things that are proposed, it's all proposed, but some are proposed are, for example, I'll just look at this little list here. We've got the inclusion of fiber optic cables within the scope of the standard. That's a great thing, in my opinion, because it means we're going to then consider more about the telecommunications and fiber optic cabling within the scope. because whilst we may not work on it directly we have to wire these systems in and they do break fire barriers and they do break compartments and there are risks of premature collapse and all that stuff so it's very much applicable to the requirements of 7671. Some other uh, suggestions was um, the AFDDs are going to be pushed so they're going to be used for all purposes other than lighting um, in domestics that's understandable. We knew that AFTDs were going to become a shall requirement instead of recommended. There's nothing really surprising with that at all. There's a minor word changing through part four, and there's some inclusion on the need to consider fire safety design with the consideration of BS9999 and others. There's a bit of an increase in that in chapter 42. And in part five, this was one that we've already discussed before. I did a video of this on YouTube, should we stop using ACRCDs? And we were surprised when the 18th edition came out that ACRCDs were still commented as being suitable for general purposes, which was just absolutely stupid. We've made some videos on this. We've done demonstrations about the potential issues of ACRCDs being saturated or blinded by some DC equipment that can leak DC you know, back into the actual device. And surprise, surprise, we now see that in this proposed amendment, it's now switched. So it's no longer that AC is suitable for general purposes. It's now A shall be used. And it's worded that type ACRCs are only for fixed equipment if it's known that the load will have no DC components within it. So there's nothing, there's nothing surprising there at all. But this does strongly tell you to stop buying ACRCDs, basically. Unless for some reason you only install things like incandescent luminaires or heaters on coils and things like that. 
Couple of things, uh, the Foundation Earth Electrode, as required, it's now obviously come back. It was obviously in the public draft the 18th, it went away, it's coming back now because there's a huge introduction in this standard of Chapter 82 for prosumer installations and functional purposes. So Foundation Earth Electrode has come in there, we've done lots of talking on this before. And we've got some introductions in Part 7 to talk about, such as lots and lots and lots of talking about the issues of open pen conductors. This is something that we are really starting to look a lot at now. So there's some big rewrites to uh, the annex of uh, 722, for example. There's some additional rewrites of 711 and 717 with the consideration of uh, TNCS systems. And there's also a little restriction to the use of cells in the special enclosure, uh, special installations that use uh, Water, so you know, bathrooms, saunas, swimming pools, and uh, found uh, in all those areas. Um, they don't allow the source of cell if the source of cell is an electronic um, component. So there's a little exclusion to some types of cell. So you now need to be aware of what cell sources you select moving forward. There's a part eight. Um, there was a part eight proposed in the first 18th edition stint. Um, that got shelved because obviously it was chapter 81, energy efficiency. That just become Appendix 17, and it's still there, which is which is kind of bizarre. But they're bringing or pushing forward chapter 82. So chapter 81 doesn't really have a home, although chapter 81 is technically Appendix 17, but in a lot less words. So there's yeah, they're really messing this up, to be fair. But yes, you've got um, chapter 82. And in chapter 82, you've got the discussion of prosumer installations, you've got the discussion of island mode and all this. Uh, we can maybe do a dedicated podcast talk about this, but I think this has already been done with the guys at the E5 group. So do go and check this out. All right. There's lots changing, and the industry is going to change, especially for you know the domestic arm of this sector. So you need to get into this standard now and look at what's going to happen, because if it's not going to come through after this publication which isn't actually going to come out until 2022, around the March-April time. But if it doesn't come out then, it will in the next. That's kind of how this works. They'll test the waters and then they'll hold things back or they'll thrust them forward. But get a look and have a comment. Okay, so it's time for a highlight of the previous podcast I've done with the E5 guys over on the E5 podcast. This one is where we were doing a talk with Richard from Professional Electrician Magazine. We were doing some questions and answers with him. And one of the questions given to us was with regards to the selection of SPDs, where one of the readers had written in a bit frustrated with the advice given by his common person scheme provider. So Richard tells us the scenario and we all um, offer an opinion on it. Anyway, ne moving on. Next question. Right, next oh, question, sorry, then, boys. Next question. Right. Yep. On to one of your old uh, favourite surge protection. So we've had a question from a reader on surge protection. So it says, "Dear PE, this is my first time of writing to you because I need to air my pain and suffering around the subject of surge protection." After many discussions at my local wholesaler, talking to a wide variety of sole traders. Oh dear. Um, from a wide variety of sole traders to more established bigger companies on their reasons to install or not to install surge protection devices, it was split 50 50. Yeah. Reasons were some, some uh, given, were sometimes uh, reasons given, sometimes vague, sometimes explained with convincing vigor, but always very different. 
Uh, so still unsure, I buried my head in the blue Bible and tried to understand, convincing my, uh, myself with my understanding I was clear in my mind, unless I can perform the calculations or I can decide that no result in serious injury to or loss of human life would occur, then I would have to install uh, an SPD. I then recently attended an update course where the tutor clarified this to me. Why would you think any different? So now I was double sure I was right until two weeks later, I had my yearly Part P assessment. The assessor's question was, do you install surge protection? My answer was, well, of course I do. And this is my reason, blah, blah, blah. The inspector's response or the assessor's response was, well done, but you don't have to because of the on-site guide. Shock horror, more pain and suffering for myself. Now, these two guys work for the same body and their reasons uh, both can be justified. But who is correct? So what what does he say about the on-site guide? So I'm just going to... So he's, it's all, all it is here is that there's two explanations. So it says, do you install surge protection? Well, of course I do. This is my reason. It says, but you don't have to because of the on-site guide. So is there, a different, a, reason, is in, in, is there a different explanation in both of those? Well, uh, first of all, an inspector should not say you don't have to because of a publication by, another, by the IET. There must yeah. be a specific thing. Yeah, you don't, you don't say, I'm not going to do that because of a book. Yeah. So he needed yep. to expand no. on that to actually inform the contractor. Yeah. To, to educate. So first of all, I'm going to say if that's actually I've word got both. Word, Let me just go through them. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at more detail. Word, what the actual CPS assessor said, and that assessor is shite. Um, I think what Dave is technically trying to say <laughs> in a clinical manner is it may be worthwhile reassessing um, how much vigor the assessor <laughs> makes an assumptive. You do yeah. not say you don't necessarily because of a book. Yeah. And now I'm having to open this. Look look how clean my book is. That's how much I use the on-site guy. My NIC one, I have to say, is fast. Is that good? Yeah, mate, honestly. I, I, I didn't get a free one. So there's... Excuse, <laughs> Excuse me. Paid for mine. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Well, next time, pay, get a free they one. They tried to give it to um, me free, but I said, no, I'll... Um, all right, so figure 3.7. I've learned my lesson now. If they ever offered me another free bottoms gun, yeah, give me it. Yeah. Right, so well, basically, what it at, says in the uh, site guide is just a copy of what it says in the SM671. So, yeah, it's actually yeah, so, the same regulation repeated. Yeah, there's, so, no, there's no new information here. So, what's does he the, mention what the CPS was? No, he doesn't. Yeah. No, he doesn't mention who the CPS was in this in this particular question. I mean, his point at the end. I mean, yeah. I would I would guess looking at uh, actually who he's referring. I'm not going to name them. Uh, at the bottom of this, actually, but there is there is one possibly name. But he says, I understand that surge protection can offer benefits and moving forward, uh, it will, along with arc protection, become the norm. The bit I get really annoyed with is why the wording and the message coming from the powers that be are not clear and precise. If we as competent electricians are giving misguided mixed messages to our customers, how can they gain any faith in the industry? I just hope my customers yeah. don't phone up our governing bodies on different days of the week because they are likely to get different answers. Well, that's, all, that's always yeah, been the case, though. It's it's all, yeah. yeah. I was going to say. So first of all, they're not governing bodies. Let's no. repeat that message. They're not <laughs> yeah. governing bodies. They're private for profit companies that say they're voluntary regulatory bodies. But yeah. then again, in all fairness, I could say that about somebody's mother. I just love the fact that Rich has got this podcast going with us a lot, and three of us have the on-site guide in hands right now. Oh, well, no, I've got two. I've got two on-site <laughs> guides within, in my hand. Within, within about two seconds as well. Yeah, they're all within arm's reach. <laughs> right. Um, I don't see any. Well, I mean, it's just the. Yeah. As John says, it's just the 7671 info, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there is a chart on the next yeah. page, which uh, yeah. might not be quite exactly the same, but. 
ultimately, just remember that the on-site guide is exactly what it says. It's a guide. Yeah. It is not yeah. the actual regulations unless it specifically says in the margin in blue the regulation number. But yeah. Ultimately, in terms of select, whether you need social protection or not, it's all in BS7671, yeah. and it comes down to whether or not you've determined that there is going to be a risk involved. And a quick summary is the fact that if it's a commercial industrial premises, it's almost certainly going to be required because there's a list of about four different items, which 99% mm -hmm. of the time it's going to come under one of those. And then it comes down to your domestic ones, which is where this sort of confusion deal is. Yeah. And you've got this thing where it says there's some kind of exemption on the, sort of the value of the equipment installed in the installation, yeah. which, again, doesn't really fit mm. in because everybody's got TVs and iPads and all this other mm. stuff. If you do the calculation, which is a big pile of bother in those cases, you can say, yeah, it's not actually needed. But, uh, again, whether or not that's uh, something you want to do. And... Uh, I think the final point there is that for a domestic installation, the cost of surge protection is like 50 quid, 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah. It's not a huge cost in terms of if you're putting in a new consumer unit or doing a rewire. No, so yeah, if the customer really doesn't want it and they're obsessed that they really don't want to spend 50 pounds extra, well, fine. But ultimately, uh, it's, it shouldn't be really an issue here. It's a minor part of the installation. And uh, yeah. don't get too hung up over it. So It pretty much now shouldn't shouldn't i mean that's we've done podcasts with this prior and the time it takes to make this decision about assessing risk and the point of assessing risk is to assess risk to not need the protection yeah just sure. install the freaking thing yeah you know yeah um, okay. well, okay. so, this, this might be the point he's trying to pick up on i think is by looking at the points he's I'm just looking at a couple of other details he's put in the email it, it, it's essentially that he's looking at the the uh it, it, in the uh, the blue bible so he's looking at uh over the section on over voltage control and the four items Chapter within 44. that yeah and there's nothing on there about um uh the total value of the installation and equipment it's basically saying where, where the, the rules that you say you you know where you're looking at results in serious injury or loss mm. to life or anything like that so i think the point the guy's trying to make is to justify that the the installation of an spd should be done regardless. The problem, yeah, the problem, the problem is, I mean, I mean, Kirsty from Surge has done some good CPT training on this lately, and in one of the slides she's got, she's got data from Ofcom from 2018. It illustrates over the past ten years how many, how much more of our equipment in the home is heavily uh, vulnerable to overvoltages. Yeah. You know, smart TVs and tablets and phones and things. A lot of equipment fails every single day, but people will just go, oh, that's broken. I'll replace it. I'll report it. I'll claim. They don't actually conclude it's an overvoltage fault. A lot no. of overvoltage kills equipment, but people don't identify that. And so a lot of equipment every day gets killed with this. And so this, this, this regulation right now with the domestic is basically, I think, just a little step to the point where we'll eventually push over voltage protection full hill uh we know it's coming in for caravan parks in the future we know yep. it's going to come in for elv systems over equipment has evolved equipment has evolved to the point where over voltage protection is needed equipment right now I and mean, if we think about equipment right at the end the system by design in chapter 44 needs typically 2.5 yeah kilovolt withstand voltage tolerance as standard for category two which is the standard we design in chapter 44 that's way too much. So equipment needs to be dropped down to category one or have SPD protection to bring it down below so it can withstand voltages. So SPD will be pushed through. So back to the guy's original question. The problem is 
confusion. I'm, I'm, if he's actually experienced, where an assessor says, "Oh, well, you don't need to," because the answer's like, "Guy." The guy says different. I would, yeah. I would, yeah. I would just, I would just, I would just, I would just. Yeah, pull that I would go. Off. I would go full Incredible Hulk mode. Yeah, um, yeah, and and just to be clear, Regulation four four three point four, um, the last line um, of the paragraph below the four um, um, bullet points, um, it states, except for single dwelling units where the total value of the installation and equipment therein does not justify such protection so it's the installation okay. so it's the and same the equipment yeah. well, this, so you're looking yeah. at you're looking at straight away any electrical installation in the uk yeah. 10 grand at least this tablet yeah. here cost me 200 quid yeah yeah more than an spd yeah sure one tablet so yeah. there you go okay so so there, the, the, there'll the, be instances though wrong it doesn't it depend what they're actually doing like so for example alterations and additions to an existing circuit because well, you, cause, cause you're saying you, you can say it's a 50 pound device but let's say for example you've got a three-phase board and mm -hmm. you've only got two um spare ways um and you might be tight for space because you know or what you're trying to achieve you it can very easily yeah, end up very expensive Fundamentally, if I'm going to design a brand new circuit, it must comply with BS seven six seven, including the fundamental principles which requires protection against voltage disturbances for that circuit. Now, if the process of achieving voltage voltage protection for that circuit results in providing over voltage protection for the whole system, so be it. But I must provide for my unique design for my one single circuit that I'm going to install the consideration of a voltage protection. If I'm installing one single circuit to feed a fixed piece of equipment which costs fifteen quid at Lidl's, then maybe not. Maybe yeah. not, but that's it. You know, if the equipment is open to use of exceeding any kind of value that is offset against an SPD, then that's the point. Yeah. Uh, but any um, new single circuit would have to be designed on a complete entire seven six seven one design. Okay. One, we can't just, uh, we can't just uh, say it doesn't apply because it's a single circuit. No. Regulations one three three point three and one three three point four provincial harmful effects. All electrical equipment should be selected, not cause harmful effects, other equipment or impair supply during normal service, including switching operations. The 13216, okay. if, if you're altering installation, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, this is, this is some of the biggest problems of electricians nowadays is we're terrible at risk assessments or we're completely unfamiliar. So we need to massively improve those skills. But more importantly, the alterations and additions, it's not a curse. It's an opportunity. Yeah, mm. if you are a competent duty holder in that house, you should be checking the bonding first or you should be taking the bloody, you should be flung out the door. Right After that, you should be looking at what you're doing, what the extent of the alteration addition, what the intended use of the installation is. And if you're doing an alteration to a ring final circuit, that's fine. As a competent electrician, one of the things I would do is I'd walk in and say, right, I'm going to do this, this, this and this. Just to be clear, um, I've noticed just from a visual inspection, you'll need the following bits. I'm going to note it on my certificate. There is no surge protection. There is, um, you know, there's there could be type two on the board. There could be type three on the the, the telecoms, the the BT mm. wire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is just good practice to bring you up, and more importantly, just for your information. Now it's down to them as to whether they ask and inquire whether there's a cost, but you've noted it. One of the struggles, one of the struggles a lot of electricians will have is is explaining. The purpose now going to an installation that's 15 20 30 years old which has got a let's say it's got split load board rcds and now i'm going to say you need spds we say about retrospective you know but fundamentally when that installation was initially installed 
the refrigerator didn't actually necessarily have to talk to the internet. You know, no. the washing machine didn't have to have brushless DC. You know, all this stuff that they now go out and buy if it, you know, if they upgrade, didn't you know at the time didn't warrant a a huge demand well, isn't it? protection. Richard and now Richard it I can't remember who did something. I think some guys on 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 social media were measuring leakage from their devices at home and finding there was a lot of DC. But if anybody does struggle with this, the easy thing is is if you message us um, on info at e5group.org.uk, I'll happily provide you with Dave or John or Dan's number, and they can ring you up every morning until you do get it. Just go through it with you, step by step. Bless you. <laughs> you'll be okay with that, chaps. John, you'll be all right with that, won't you? Yeah. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. You know, I wouldn't. Yeah. That's 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 the point. Is I mean, we're here we, to help. We don't, we're, we're worried about implementing change that the rest of the yeah. industry doesn't agree with, doesn't understand. Yeah. Instead of being at the forefront and being actually confident, and Paul said it with risk assessing, we don't quite understand the point of this, but we need to just look around the house and you know look at the. If you're with a client right now, look at their TV. Yeah. And just you know, without being awkward, just say you know, is that a new you know? Have you got a new TV? Are you going to do a new one? You go for a smart TV. Uh, tell okay. them, talk to them about current technology, yeah. and tell them how it's different to prior technology. And Dave, it's it's okay as well for people to do this and for the clients still to say no. This yes, is about you. Yeah, of course. But, uh, this is about you tailoring your behaviours yeah. to do the right thing every time. But this this well, is um we in the last uh, podcast we done with Richard obviously we're talking about um, letting agents um, dictating a certain price for um, a property. Every property is different, even if it's a two bedroom house or flat or whatever. Every property is different in how it's used, so it's yeah. individual and it's down to the inspector to kind of make that judgment. <laughs> Sorry, we've just been invaded by um, Spot the cat data. Sorry, what a data. Spot the cat. Data. data. John Ward has just been. John, what's going on? <laughs> was that data? Yes, it was. It's okay. It's okay. Data's more than welcome. We should get a guest slot with with data in data. and Bella. And Bella's just sat on my. You can actually see her in the video. I think she's just sat on the couch. Yeah, I've, I've yeah she can. She is that. listening and learning. She will be facing a test and exam. <laughs> she gets her dinner tomorrow morning. Uh, this evening. Uh, Richard, yes, is, is that question cool. answered? Or is yes, answered? thanks for that, chaps. Yep, cheers. Right. And sorry about the uh, maybe the detail in that question, but it seemed like the guy obviously was quite confused coming out of the conversation. I, I genuinely with, do uh, believe the tutor and the assessor. So, that's the problem. I'm saying this. I think the, the the engineer who was responsible for assessing, rather than saying, do you know what? I'm not I'm not I'm not brilliant at everything. Yeah. Um, I have my strengths, and I'm a bit weak on that. But yeah. um, let's go on the journey together where we can both develop it. Or yeah. uh, let me get back to you. I'm going to do some CPD and maybe I'll, I'll do some phone calls with you to explain and understand. But yeah. And I think possibly it's an example of how that mixed message, if it's not explained properly or done in the way that you suggest, Paul, it can confuse the individual on the end of it. Yeah, the electricians rely on these people to give them instruction. Yeah. That's why the industry has evolved right now. They rely on these inspectors to give them instruction and you know authorization to carry on yeah and an opportunity to improve or learn and if it's vague like that that's not going to help anybody no nope. okay all right chaps. Well, listen, thanks for, thanks for the answer right so we're going to go to the last question it's always fun doing podcasts with you mates because it's always just easy to talk and just to keep moving things forward i'm going to probably do more highlights with those guys because we talk about so much stuff that it really would be beneficial to this podcast just to kind of go through a couple of things that we pick up on there 
Whilst we're talking about professional electrician, I have the old uh, November edition right in front of me. The one that's actually is quite quite funny. It's got an article on me in there. But I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm going to probably talk about that in a later podcast. What I want to talk about is something that is in here uh, in the training roundup section. And some of you may know that the COVID period has resulted in a huge issue with the ability to deliver training and fundamentally deliver assessments. And the training industry has a very strict procedure on quality assurance and authorization and all of this stuff. And we have to have you know proper invigilation, and some of this was bent a little bit during COVID to allow training companies to actually be able to deliver courses online, and then deliver assessments in the workplace or even in the candidate's home, where we you know we could apply for this, and we would then have to read literature and make sure the candidate had the right. Um, you know technology at their end and we had the suitable um you know um meeting software and cameras and all this stuff it was very very alarming when i first heard about this because i was worried that it would become a standard trend because it's going to be very easy it's going to be very profitable it's going to be very it's going to be very popular um nicic were one of the first to announce that they were doing this because the the strategy was announced and we were all kind of just going oof oof no no uh, but the NIC jumped into it, and so because they did, some of us had to also do it to actually you know, maintain competitiveness. Because if a candidate could go to them, they would, and they would not wait around for us to actually wait until COVID was to go by. So I've had to do that this year as well. I've delivered online virtual training. I still am booked to do some lately, and I've been doing the exams from this remote invigilation. It's gone very well. My last guy got ninety-eight percent. The one before that got ninety percent. It does require a lot of extra time for me because I have to have, I give three hours for each exam sitting. Now, people like the NIC will probably have some uh, standard invigilator, some other office member to do this. Uh, I just don't have the work, you know, the workmen to actually do that. And I was hoping it was temporary, but it's not. It's not. And, <laughs> and I kind of knew it wouldn't be. And it says here in the Professional Electrician Mag, and I'll just read it. It says that search for an associate with the JTL uh yeah uh, basically to rooted from the eca basically have confirmed that it's now licensed to deliver the city and yield all new 18th edition remote assessment meaning you can now undertake the bs7671 2018 qualification from comfort of your own home and office great so uh the 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 guy from the NIC's head of training commented becoming approved by city guilds to offer this option is fantastic and a testament to our commitment to uphold standards and driving and technical excellence i can't see how any of that does that it's not in any way going to improve training. It's going to be a way to make it easier. So that's just bogus. Adding to our expanding range of virtual blah, 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 with ver uh, includes virtual classroom products, uh, blended learning options. Uh, this latest edition has offers customers more choice. Having had a remote exam in our portfolio for a few months now, I'm encouraged by the feedback from delegates who are relishing the convenience of being able to cite the assessment remotely. Now, I can't say too much, but I have many candidates that come to me after having gone to other people, including the NIC, with regards to the standards of the training they receive and the support that they receive. So I'm not going to um, uh, appraise this too much here. Uh, a guy from the Sitting Guild says, We recognize society is changing and many people now want and need to update skills remotely. Yeah, so this is not going to be a short thing. This is going to be a permanent thing moving forward. Whatever the reason, we're committed to meeting the needs of our customers while rigorously maintaining standards, working closely alongside recognized organizations such as Searcher and JTL, who are able to uphold our strict assessment protocols, blah, blah, blah. 
So this is this is going to be the, one of the new standards: virtual training and online delivery from home. So I've now got to decide. I've got to first talk to the guilds about this not being a permanent, uh, a temporary thing for me. Uh, with Ascot College, who I do it through, if we can actually then make sure we can do it and also be competitive. Um, we've got to find out where we are with this. Um, I, I can still today do it online remotely. The City and Guilds have just updated their assessment platform and we're all good to go. So yes, I can host a course, I can run a course online and I can deliver the exam online. And you basically don't even have to check, you know, put your pants on. You can just sit at home and, well, you know, put, put a shirt on, please. But you can just sit at home and actually do your training and do your exam. Um, but it looks like this is not going to go away. This is a arrangement that was engineered due to COVID and it looks like that it's going to be a permanent fixture moving forward. And I do worry what other courses may go down this avenue. Um, right now it's, you know, just technical qualifications, but who knows, who knows where we'll be in a few years time where we realize that all of it could be done from your own home in your pants. Good stuff. But yeah. Uh, I'll be looking into this heavily. I'll, I'll update on this as I read more. Um, I'm not happy about it, but I've got to make sure that I either capitalize on there and make sure I can provide for that as well, or I'll just basically be a... Uh, well, yeah, I'll be shafted. So that's fun. What's next? Okay, CPD corner time. So, CPD Corda, I want to start talking regularly about sources of CPD that I like and that I rely on. Now, I've been obviously dragging CPD out of the internet for quite a long time now, farming it and then collecting it and then re regurgitating it. And um, I wanted you guys to have the ability to just look a bit for yourself. One of the ones I wanted to highlight today in particular was the Schneider website, altogether really. Um, the Schneider Partner Portal. It is a place on the internet that you can create a login and in the Schneider Partner Portal, you can then customize the area to suit what you want to use the space for. So if you are a regular user of Schneider Gear, you can then go to their products, you can look at all their devices, their protected devices, you can look at the Acti 9, the Multi 9, the Easy 9, the Power Tags, and you can then get all that dragged in and you can find local wholesalers. You can join uh, programs such as the Electrician Partner Program where you can get special perks for using certain gear and you can get special access to training resources. There's the Wiser Program, which is their new innovative smart home technology, which I'll cover um, on another podcast when I've got some installed. I've got some coming soon. I'm going to have a little play with. But for me, the benefit of the Schneider Partner Portal is training um, because, you know, that's what I do. And whenever I've had an issue in the 10 plus years I've been doing training, there are these documents, the, the, um, that the, the, uh, Kahir technique documents, which is like a Wikipedia of the electric world, which can be quite overwhelming when you first land in there. Cause it's all written to the IEC standards, which is the international standards, but it's, you know, so all the numbers would be IEC 60364 and so forth. But that just, that just funnels down to the equivalence of BS7671. And if you find these resources and then you actually access them, they're very, very, very good and very, very valuable. For example, if I decide right now that I wanted to do, let's say I wanted to do a training course and in my 7909 or my regs, I'm going to just, rev I want to revise my approach to harmonics. This is actually something I'm going to do next week. So I'll search harmonics in there. And a quick little search field in harmonics has then popped up to a 45-minute video 
a one hour, 30 minute CPD article about harmonics and mitigation, 15 minute CPD on active harmonic filtering. I've got 15 minutes of uh, a product that uses harmonics. There's just, and then there's obviously documentation and documentation, understanding and using harmonics. So that's just one quick search, but I researched AFDDs. I researched um, all sorts of engineering issues. And I often ended up landing on the Schneider site in the 10 plus years I've been doing this. Um, and I heavily rely on the Schneider Partner Portal as one of my key references for CPD. And I strongly recommend that you consider trying it too. The Partner Portal is currently going through a period of um, upgrade. They're doing a lot of um, proactive work to try to make see you know how electricians and contractors and consultants can customize this space. So... Do go check it out, play with the space, navigate around, look at the products, programs, the training, and go for it. There's, you know, you get, um, you can get CPD points in there and you can get certificates for the, the CPD that's available. Uh, it's all there. It's all a great resource, but give them feedback on the space because uh, I think it's a very good thing. Okay, so that's the, that's the conclusion of CPD Corner today. So this is just me telling you, to go to the Schneider Electric site or search Schneider Partner Portal, look at it, create a login, and then just explore and then search. Search a technical subject, and then you'll find documents and documents and documents of information. That concludes today, and we will then return next week. And next week's podcast will be familiar format to this. So we'll look at talking about what's going on in the current industry news. We'll look at doing a highlight of previous E5 content because there's so much good stuff and I don't want to have to talk and regurgitate all of that again. We'll look at some training news. We'll look at some CPD resources and we'll just see what works. We'll just see what we want to talk about. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. Speak to you later. Bye-bye.